podcast. Diving, diving deep. deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to um, all right, John, let's get right down to things here. Um, we've got uh, I, we, uh, Seth and I interviewed Nick Casario, Texans GM, on Friday on Pain and Pendergast. You can find that interview. Same way you can find this podcast on the Odyssey app, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Um, and uh, he spent about 45 minutes in studio with us, John. Um, was really good. Uh, good candor, I thought, from Nick. He just seems he seems to have a different energy about him now that D'Amico's in the building there and things seem to be trending in the right direction with this team. I, I tell you guys always get the best of Casario. You know, he, when he's standing in front of a, uh, a news conference, he so he talks a lot, you know, 90 miles an hour, and you have to sift through the nuggets if he gives any because he's so careful because usually when he talks to us, the draft's coming up, the season's coming up. He's much more relaxed with Mm y'all. I think it's because you talk to him about things other than football. Mm -hmm. But getting him to come into the studio that long, that was a real coup. So congratulations because he's always interesting and much more informative with you and Seth than he is Seth when he does – the news conference. Yeah. Well, he, and he had a few little things I thought in here. I mean, we need to, even with the stuff he comes on with us, sometimes you got to sift through it a little bit, but um, he, he was, uh, he was pretty forthcoming about a few things. I'm going to touch on some of them here. We won't get to all of them. Obviously we, if you want to listen to the entire interview again, you can get it on the Odyssey app or sportsradio610.com. We're going to have some of the things that uh, John and I learned from the off season program coming up in just a little bit as well. And a little for real or for gazy later on in the program. So stay tuned for that. But as far as some things, John, um, we talked about the rookies with him. And I, the only ones I brought up by name were Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud. And even when Seth tried to get some other ones singled out, he wouldn't do it. But it was shortly after Seth had asked that question after Nick had voluntarily singled out Henry Toa Toa, the linebacker out of Alabama. So he, you know, he answered our questions about Will. We'll talk about that in a second. Answered questions about C.J. Stroud. And while he was answering, I believe, one of the questions about Will, he veered into about a minute on how quickly Henry Toa Toa, the linebacker from Alabama, is picking things up. I thought that was significant from Casario. Uh, I watched almost every Alabama game the last two years. I wanted to see Bill O'Brien and what he was going to do coaching the Crimson Tide. And then I fell in love with Bryce Young uh, because he was on his way to the Heisman. And every time I was watching, I kept hearing Toa Toa, Toa Toa, and I'm thinking, how do you spell Toa Toa? And so I finally looked it up, and I thought, man, I hope I don't have to type that name all the time, much less pronounce it. And then when they drafted him, I thought they got a steal when they did. And for Casario to single somebody out, which is very unusual, he has that Patriot mentality. You ask about a player, he talks about a position he's much more forthcoming with you guys and I thought he was terrific and there's a good chance Texans could be playing two Alabama linebackers yeah quite a bit yep no doubt about that well two Alabama linebackers and then whatever we're calling Will Anderson uh you know it's a it's a nine technique or a defensive end I mean there could be three young Alabama players out there uh including Will Anderson which brings us to the next takeaway from the Nick Casario interview with Seth and I on Sports Radio 610 um Obviously loves Will Anderson, said that he probably – they actually need to dial him back sometimes in these off-season workouts because he's so intense and he plays with his hair on fire. 
Um, but he was pretty revealing with how they envisioned using him. He said they've been moving him from the right side to the left side, which shows you that he's picking things up pretty quickly. His acumen is good. And he said they're also toying with the idea of playing him inside on passing downs just to get their best four pass rushers out there. So there's there appears to be already – I mean, we knew they had a, some sort of plan in place when they drafted him. Anderson had said that in some pre-draft interviews about, hey, how did this – if you go to the Texans, you know, what, what are they talking about with you? Um, but I thought Nick was pretty forthcoming with how he's been shuffled around and used in these in these uh, early offseason workouts. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's told us he's a defensive end, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it'd be stupid to play him inside because then you're going to get beat on by the big guys, and you're going to get doubled by guard and a center where if they have him on the edge, he'd be going against an end unless they put he's so good. They put a tight end over there to help, which could happen a lot because he's a terrific pass rusher. It's obvious D'Amico and Casario love the guy, and he's going to start from day one. You know, it's interesting the way they approach it so careful with Stroud, but they admit how much they love Anderson, how impressive he's been, how he picks up everything. I can't wait to see him. He and B. John Robinson are the favorites to win uh, defensive and offensive rookie of the year. I've seen some people pick Bryce Young, but it's rare for a rookie quarterback to play well enough to be voted offensive rookie of the year. I can't wait to see Will Anderson because I've seen most of his games in uh, the last two years, and when he won the Rotary Lombardi Award, I was up on the dais with Mattress Mac because Mac's the one that presented it to him, mm. and I had to make a presentation, and I thought at the time, this was the first week in December, and I thought, man, man, oh, man, what it would be like if the Texans got a pass rusher like him because he's the best in the draft. And I thought, but there's no way they're going to bypass a quarterback for him because of that desperate need. And, of course, when they trade up, I was shocked in a great way because I thought back to watching him play all those games the last two years. I can't wait to see Will Anderson on the field. Yeah, same here. I'm I'm really excited. I'm excited for him. Just I'm excited for the player, but he seems like he's going to be a fun guy to cover for us as well. Just a really great personality, too. With um with Will Anderson. All right, a couple more takeaways from the Casario interview uh, on Sports Radio six ten with me and Seth Payne last week. John, it sounds like that Nick. We we talked about. I asked him about the extensions they've given out so far this year. That they're all in the trenches. You know, two Shaq Mason, Laramie Tunsil, and then the Malik Collins extension last week. And Nick said, "Well, our belief is to build from the inside out. So that's not a coincidence. That's the focal point for Casario." He did mention that uh, there are other players who are in contract years and that they're not married to any sort of calendar as far as when an extension could come down, including in season, which is a big departure from regimes past with the Texans, which would use week one as sort of a, a barrier, you know, as sort of a, a, an endpoint to any sort of negotiations. Um, so I, I would just the tone that he took, John, in that answer. I feel like there's at least one or two more of these coming down, these extensions for veteran guys, possibly. Well, the one they'd love to get is Titus Howard, but they can't pay two offensive tackles great money. You just can't do it. And Titus has shown he can play left tackle and he can play guard. So I would imagine Titus Howard's headed for a big payday if he stays healthy and plays the way he's capable, because I just don't see them earmarking that kind of money for a right tackle when you've made Laramie Tunsil highest paid offensive lineman in NFL history. And when we look on their defense next year, I think their biggest needs are going to be 
a guy to play next to Malik Collins who can rush the quarterback, which Malik doesn't do, and somebody – and actually, Grenard and Hughes on the last year of their contracts, they mm-hmm. Jerry's going to be 35 years old. And you don't see many 36-year-old defensive ends because this could be it for him. And Grenard, you know, he hadn't been able to stay healthy. If he can stay healthy here, he's capable of double digits. And then you, you could – because Will Anderson is cheap against the cap, you could re-sign Grenard. But they still need to meet uh, Grenard or another end and definitely a defensive tackle. And I'm guessing, and I'm guessing you'll agree with me, their biggest need on offense right now is still a big play receiver who yeah. can stretch the defense. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely. That's the biggest need right now. Um, is uh, is a big play receiver. You know, we'll see. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a spread the wealth thing kind of this year for the Texans uh, offensively for sure. Um, the last thing, John, last thing from the Casario interview. Then we'll get to things that we learned. A few things we learned from the offseason program. Um, he called Jay Watt a mother effer. His exact words. He thankfully didn't use the full-on F word because of the FCC governance. But he said, uh, he said uh, he was describing. I asked him, "Would JJ Watt going in the Ring of Honor give me a New England perspective on JJ Watt preparing for him? What that was like?" And of course, he talked about how he can wreck a game. He's amazing. Um, and he said the biggest thing that he could do, the most underrated thing that he could do, was his ability to track down plays from the backside, running plays, the ability to come, like say, from the left and tackle from the left side of the defensive line and tackle a running back who's running away from that side of the line because he was so quick and he was able to beat beat guys. Um, he said, man, there was a game we played in Houston, New England, and he said, we had a, we had this big plan to stop J.J. Watt, and we run away from him, and then the mother effer gets us in the backfield in a second and 13 all of a sudden. Um, and he talked to John about the conversation that he and J.J. had when the Texans – let J.J. go so he could leave in free agency to eventually go to Arizona. He said he and J.J. had a really, really good conversation in those early weeks of the Casario era. There's tremendous respect from Nick Casario for J.J. Watt. And I'm guessing he's too nice to point out they did a better job against Watt than any team in the league. You know, the Patriots are notorious for targeting one guy. Mm -hmm. There's one guy on defense or one guy on offense Besides the quarterback, we've got to take him out and neutralize him. And they did a tremendous job. So Nick watched a whole lot of tape because Nick was part of the coaching staff. You know, he was up in the booth helping uh, Josh McDaniels. And so they would watched a, he would have watched a lot of tape of J.J. So he knew how great J.J. could be. And uh, I'd love to know the secret of what they did, but he's never going to reveal that. Yeah, great respect. Everybody has great respect for Watt. It's going to be so exciting to see his jersey up in the Raptors when uh, the Steelers are in. Yeah, that'll be great. October the 1st, week four is when that's happening. Um, So you can get that full Nick Casario interview on SportsRadio610.com and or the Odyssey app on the Payne and Pendergast podcast. 